Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Millennial Sports Talk. This is Ben Verlander along with Michelle Margot. Um, Michelle? Um, yes, I would like to say that you did not introduce me the way that we agreed upon last week when I introduced you as the best co-host in the world. Did you actually do that? Because thank you. Oh, I actually do remember that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Clearly it stood out. (laughs) What I would like to say about you is happy birthday. The big (gasps) 2-8 happened this week. 2-8? Isn't it 2-8? No, I just turned 24. Did you? Yeah. See, this is the problem when before the episode started, when we were talking, I said, how old you turn? And you wouldn't tell me. You just wouldn't tell me. Yeah. Didn't you know that I only graduated college three years ago? I still don't know if you're being serious or not. Ben, really? You don't know my age? No. How would I know your age? You never I don't know. Look me. at me. Do I look closer 20? to 24 or closer to 28? 21. There we go. <laughs> but either way, happy birthday, Michelle. Thanks, Ben. And I will just like to give you a shout out back in February when your birthday was. Oh, well, well, well. Look what Um, happened. My birthday's in January. January. (laughs) (laughs) I just, we we recorded on your actual birthday. I remember that. It was our very first episode that had a guest. Remember that? Mm Mm-hmm. I do, because it was my birthday and it was January 31st, which isn't even close to February. You were late to your own birthday dinner so that we could record our podcast. I was, indeed. The ultimate sacrifice. (laughs) Well, Michelle, some big things happening um, in the sports world this week. We have tonight, actually, we were recording on Wednesday night, is the MLB draft. Um, And I'm looking forward to to tuning into that for a little while. I know it's going to be a little different this year, obviously, with everything going on with COVID and also with everything going on within the MLB, which... Um, is also something I'd like to talk about for a second, which is the negotiations that are ongoing, which have turned into a huge problem. And quite frankly, it is very, very annoying to see it all playing out right in front of our eyes and nobody figuring it out. And, you know, whatever side you're on, it's just, it's, it's so annoying and they need to figure it out. Would you agree that it's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster? Yes, 100%. So this, this is how it's worked out for me. I just scroll through Twitter all day, every day, looking for this, this tweet that says an agreement's happening. And one, it doesn't happen. But here's how it does work out. One of a couple people that I follow, Jeff Passan or John Heyman, will tweet out that there is a new proposal. And then I immediately get all excited. And then I really start frantically scrolling through Twitter. And then I see the terms of the new agreement. And then I'm like, in my head, okay, finally some progress. And then no more than five minutes later comes another tweet that says the other side has already responded saying, this is a step backwards. And it's just a vicious cycle (laughs) of that happening over and over and over. And I'm so furious. Figure it out, for that, the love of God. That could not have been more spot on. There's so many tweets out there pertaining to MLB that's 
this is a step backwards, says the owners. MLBPA says this is a step backwards. There's now been two occasions that I will see a tweet, I'll see the proposal, I'll take a screenshot of it and send it to somebody saying, progress. And then by the time I get back to Twitter and upload and, and reload it, there's another tweet that says, owners have said this is a step backwards. And I'm like, oh my God. The MLB draft situation, um, first, for anyone who knows me well, they know that I love and I'm very passionate about the minor league farm system with Major League Baseball. And I used to just go on milby.com and just look at game scores for years. I've graduated a little <laughs> bit, but um, I'm sad that I don't get to watch the draft the way that I usually watch it. And you felt this way just as much when the NFL draft happened. But I think with the short rounds and all that stuff this year, it's a little bit more depressing than the NFL draft was. Yeah, I I really, I agree. And I think it just makes it even more, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it because I love baseball and, and, you know, it's just, I, I think it's important to watch, but it, you know, it, it's kind of sad. Like the whole time I'm just one, it's five rounds. So I feel for all the college players that um, would have gotten drafted that now aren't going to, um, that are now going to have to get picked up as, as free agents. And just with everything that's going on, there's so much tension and turmoil within major league baseball right now. And fans are rightfully pissed off, and they should be. Um, it's just like it's kind of got this ominous feel going into tonight. Like people are today trying to act like nothing's going on, and it's just the draft. And yay, it's draft day. Who's going to draft who? But like, if they can't even figure out their own stuff and 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 put a product on the field and make the fans happy during a time where everybody needs them. How can they expect everyone to rally around this day today and, and be happy about this? Y you know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think you're right. On a lighter note, um, it is June 10th mm -hmm. and your Christmas tree is still up as I see in the right hand corner of the screen. I don't know if I should tell you that it is already up for Christmas or, or if it, it hasn't come down since Christmas, but both would be true. I definitely respect it. Um, it's a little concerning, but I respect it. Thank you. Thank you. It gets a lot of comments. All right. So for this week's GOAT moment of the week, I'm really excited about this one, and I hope that I do it justice because I really don't know the terminology or the jargon. But um, the jargon. The jargon. Two MLB players, Micah Johnson is retired. I'm not really sure if Matt Caesar is, but I covered both of them. Matt Caesar with the Padres, Micah Johnson with the Rays. Matt Caesar won a World Series with the Cubs, um, went to Villanova. Micah Johnson is an Indiana guy. Um, but they both are incredibly talented artists, so much so that I actually have um, a painting of Micah Johnson's in my house. But they both got together and they did this really amazing piece of George Floyd. Matt Caesar, I think, did half of it, and I think Micah Johnson did the other half. Jason Hayward, who is also an American baseball player and I believe most recently played for the Cubs. Is that true? Mm -hmm. He bought it for $10,000, and 
that $10,000 is going to various organizations fighting racial injustice. And I think it is so cool of them to do that. And not in any kind of sports way. They're not just donating money. They put in time and effort. And the painting is really cool. You can go to their Twitters and see it. I also retweeted um, Micah Johnson. So you can go see that on my Twitter. So that's my GOAT moment of the week. That is really cool. I didn't know that they were artistic. I also didn't know you had a painting of theirs hanging up in your house. So, um, Well, they don't normally do stuff together. It's... Uh, oh, so you a, have a painting of one. Micah's, of, yeah. Micah's. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But so fun fact, I also painted one, a spray paint of Tony Gwynn with Matt Caesar back when I was covering him with the Padres. We did a little segment on it. It was really cool. Wow. That is cool. It is cool. Nicely done. Nicely yep. done. So that leads us to this week's ad, um, which is Bet Online. Uh, bet Online has a ton of things you can still do online to bet. So go to betonline.ag, uh, and you may think that there aren't a lot of things to bet on right now with NBA, NHL, or MLB not playing right now. But some things are starting to come back. There is NASCAR, there is golf happening this weekend. Um, there are multiple things you can still bet on, uh, esports, all of that stuff. So it's still fun to be had. Go online to betonline.ag and use promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus. Again, that's MYPOD100 at betonline.ag. So I am very pleased to be the bearer of some good news. The NBA is back, baby. Let's go. Lego. So last week, the league's uh, board of governors and the players' union both approved plans. MLB, this is how it's done. Um, a 22-team, eight-game wrap-up to the regular season, followed by a possible play-in tournament for the eighth seed and playoffs um, to resume the 2019-2020 season. Um, on July 31st, it's going to be inside Walt Disney World's ESPN's Wide World of Sports Complex, and I could not be more pumped. Wow. Wow. What? Check out the pipes on you. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> you should hear me in the shower. No, I, seriously, I'm super excited. Just the announcement of any sports coming back I is know. awesome. So I'm so excited. I'm, so I'm excited. We thought who would be an amazing person to have on our podcast this week, and we got Eric Pincus. He is a very reputable writer and journalist. You've seen him on NBA TV and Basketball Insiders, and he's the lead Lakers writer for Bleacher Report, um, and he's an expert on the NBA salary cap. So without further ado, let's welcome in Eric. What's up, Eric? How are you? Not too bad. Uh, looking forward to the NBA restarting. Uh, <laughs> we got a nice little heat wave in Los Angeles, so try to stay cool. That's, uh, I am as well, very excited about the NBA started. And we just kind of talked about the details outlined in the proposal and the July 31st uh, start date. Are you as excited as Michelle and I are? Because we are pumped not only to have live sports back, just bass, it just it'll be helpful for the country, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, naturally, uh, the NBA would like to be a leader for the economy for society, just uh, for everyone's mental health to try to get back to some semblance of normal, but this is really, you know, the industry I work in. So 
obviously I'm excited because uh, this is how I make my livelihood. So yes, please bring back the game. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what, what, obviously we're dealing with MLB not getting stuff done with, with the player association and all that stuff. So NBA is setting um, an example, but you know a lot more about the ins and outs of probably the process of, of how they kind of, got things back on track, what grade would you give the NBA and the Board of Governors for handling the, the comeback plan? Well, I mean, it's an incomplete because we don't know what's going to happen. But I, And there's always going to be some level of uncertainty. And, and to be honest, we don't know if there's going to be a vaccine for next season. So even if this doesn't work well, any failures that, that come are sort of uh, like, give you they give the nba a shot of actually happening next season so you know it's it's a complicated situation what i what i like about the union and and the nba's relationship is that they have been uh for the last several years pretty well committed to communication and and working together and they don't see eye to eye on a lot of issues and they're never going to see eye to eye completely uh but they're willing to work together and and get to solutions and it wasn't really like that on the same level uh, under David Stern, late David Stern and uh, Billy Hunter and the previous regime regimes, uh, you know, Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts with Chris Paul in charge of the union. Uh, they've, they've had some serious battles, but they've always worked them out. Uh, they've avoided lockouts and, and have done what's best for the whole, as opposed to uh, like a group of players. So yeah, I, I, we could debate whether or not they should have brought the, the Hornets back, you know, I mean, it's like there's little <laughs> right. details of the plan. Uh, but by and large, uh, we have a plan and that's, that's something we just have to now see if, if fate and, and this world that we live in and the craziness of, of this situation allow it to actually work out. But it's, it's, it was definitely worth a shot what they've done and hopefully it'll be, uh, it, it'll actually follow through and, and work out. Do you see rust, being a big factor for these players and not necessarily just, you know, shooting and, and, you know, their touch, but also with conditioning. I mean, you're, you're going to jump base essentially right into the playoffs. You'll have a few games before, and that is a totally different ball game than some regular season games. So conditioning and, you know, uh, on, on, on court play as well. Do you see that being an issue? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an issue. Uh, eight games is, a good number it, it, for what it sounds like there may also be two preseason games. And I had come up with a, a 10 point plan for at bleach report to dictate how I thought it should work or could work. And, and I included 10 games. So if they end up doing eight regular season and, and 10 pre and two preseason, they get to that mark. And that that's a, once you get to about 10 games into a season, you're pretty well, I, you, maybe you're not at your peak uh, and they won't be back to where they were for when it stopped in March. Right. Uh, but it like the main thing is, is it's staying in, in playing shape. It, it's just not, you can't do it without playing. And, and there's, there's even scrimmaging uh, amongst yourself, which they haven't been able to do. Uh, but if they were, that still wouldn't be enough. Just doing team scrimmages. Uh, you have to get out there. You have to play. And that's the only way to stay in shape. And, and uh, the level of conditioning for a basketball player is, I mean, they're among the best athletes in the world because of the amount of running. I know soccer has even more running. So some will say soccer, some will say swimming. Uh, but I know basketball is among the, the best shapes, uh, rather best sports for, for cardio and staying in shape. Uh, 
and then there, yeah, you mentioned shooting like Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Bucks reportedly doesn't have a hoop that is complex wherever he lives, and so there was a long stretch where, and that's his his biggest weakness is that he he's not a great shooter, so right. that's not great. But it, look, it is what it is. Uh, I, when we've gone and and we've had lockout shortened seasons where they've rushed back, uh, play hasn't been great. If you watch the Last Dance, uh, they talked about Michael Jordan coming back at the end of of that one uh, one yep. of his retirement yep. years, uh, and he just couldn't quite get... This is one of the best, if not the best, depends on your point of view, NBA player of all time, uh, and he wasn't in good enough shape to to do his thing. So, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a little sloppier, but it, look, we're all, by and large, not all of us, but most a big portion of us are at home, sheltered and, and hungry for basketball, and if the quality is... Uh, Maybe if it starts out B minus, and by the time we get to the finals, even if it's A minus, I'm I'm we're going to be pretty pretty happy. Yeah. Do you think this situation lends itself to there being an asterisk against whoever wins the championship? I, if anything, you could argue this journey has been harder. Uh, maybe some it's been different. So certainly, when you go to the records, uh, like when I go through, I'm I'm looking at some long term analysis. There are years where. Uh, you have to mark and say, okay, uh, there weren't 82 games played in 99 or what was it? 2000 was 11 or there was a 50 game season. There was a 66 game season. And so the numbers are going to be different when you're comparing. So just by sort of definition, yeah, this year we'll have some level of an asterisk uh, on the year. Should it have one on the champion? Uh, Like in 99, Phil Jackson would kind of joke about how the Spurs, he would kind of play with them and say that that was an asterisk uh, championship, but they went on to win a bunch more. So it sort of retroactively erased it in my mind. Uh, Right. Uh, You know what I mean? So like if LeBron and the Lakers win, uh, does that mean that like Lakers who or like LeBron who wins titles and Lakers who win titles as an organization, is that, diminishing it at all. I mean, maybe this is a year for the Clippers or the Bucks uh, or any of these other teams. I, I don't think they're going to put an asterisk, asterisk on the trophy. It's it's, it's going to be a tremendous celebration for whatever team gets yeah. through this. I, I also think that that helps. So with the NBA, they played a lot of their regular season. So I think that's going to ultimately, you know, make it, you know, pretty – Pretty much like it, it would have been. Now, take, for example, the MLB, where you're supposed to t- play 162 games. There's a very real chance they only play 48 games. Then you're talking about a whole different type season. But with the NBA, like, you basically you, you played most of your regular season games and took a little pause <laughs> and get into playoffs, you know? So I still think it'll um, – Absolutely. Yeah, I still think it'll be – If you get to 72, 72 of 82 games and you miss 10 games – it, should that be thrown out as like something less? I mean, maybe it, right. it's just different. It's like, I, I don't, I don't hold it against the winner. Yeah. So you touched briefly on the last dance for myself personally. I am not old enough to remember, to remember Michael Jordan in his prime with the bulls. Unfortunately for me, the only year I remember watching Michael Jordan play is with the, the wizards. So to watch that documentary, and to see just how good he was, it actually changed my opinion on the argument of the best player of all time. 
Um, I, I, I do now believe it is him. Um, where do you, where do you stand? Are you sort of like the, you know, him and there, you know, you can't really compare apples and oranges or are you MJ is the best player of all time or where do you stand? Well, I'm, I'm working on a project for Bleacher Report to tackle that, that topic. And I'm, I'm going to put a lot of work into it and try to see if there's a way to really come up with that answer. And, and I watched uh, all of that run as uh, I, I was young, but I was able to enjoy it and, and remember it. I saw it when I was more of a kid when during the Magic uh, and Larry Bird era. That I, I can remember, but it's, it's a little hazier uh, <laughs> i was pretty young uh but uh, you know I, I remember my dad freaking out and screaming at the tv i remember looking at the celtics and going yeah that's just a motley looking crew of gentlemen that was a <laughs> scary looking group um of course i was in la and that's maybe that's what i was uh, you know bred to believe but uh there there are issues with comparing generations there are issues with Comparing uh, individual uh, spectacular play to the ultimate goal of of winning a championship, uh, there's qualities like longevity. Uh, Michael Jordan had a good career in length, but not anywhere close to what Kareem or Duncan or Kobe had. Uh, There's someone like LeBron who is uh, going to the finals uh, almost every year, uh, and Michael didn't go to the finals anywhere close to the same percentage. But then Michael's win percentage was 100%, right? And LeBron's is somewhere in the neighborhood of a third, 33%. So uh, there are individual players. I think a great uh, perspective is that Will Chamberlain in his era was head and shoulders the best player in basketball. He was superhuman. And yet he only has a limited number of titles, whereas he was going up against a player who really wasn't close as far as individual offensive ability in Bill Russell. And every year Bill would win. He won 11 of 13 years, went to the finals 12 of 13. So, (laughs) yeah. So uh, if you look at the naked eye and say, who's the better basketball player, you're going to say Wilt. Uh, But if the ultimate goal is to win, and this is a sport where that is the case. The goal is to win. Right. I think you have to look at rings and championships as the decider between the best of the best. Not to say who are, who are the best players of all time. Charles Barkley is the best player of all time. Carl uh, Malone. And you know, we can go down the list of, of guys who never won who are the best players of all time. But when we get that list of the best players of all time, and now we need to decide on that list, who are the best of Who's the best? the best of the best? Yep. Then we have to talk about who won the most, who won the most efficiently. And to me, even those little details like who scored 80, 81, or 100 points in a game, they become, I don't want to say frivolous in any way, but they aren't the most important factors. The most important factors is who has the most championships. And so I think you, you can talk about Bill Russell, but you have the era issue. And you talk about, Michael and all these players there, I think there's an argument to be made for Tim Duncan or Kobe or uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, uh, Michael Jordan, all of these players. And I haven't decided yet, and I'm going to let some of the numbers kind of answer the question for me, but 
Uh, Michael was unbelievable and he changed the game and should be recognized as one of the greatest, if not the greatest. I just don't know if that's the final answer. Eric, I'm going to switch gears here just for a second. You are the lead Lakers writer for Bleacher Report. Um, And obviously 2020 has been pretty tough on us in a lot of different ways. But one of the first things that happened this year was the the death of Kobe Bryant, which was horrible and very sad. Um, Do you have any personal favorite Kobe Bryant stories that you could share with us? Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot. I I spent most of my career uh, covering Kobe. Uh, I started covering in person around 2002. Uh, so I missed the first handful of years or so, but I got much of it. And then, uh, I mean, there are little things like uh, just witnessing that he really did more make a wish type uh, after game meetings with people than anyone I've ever seen at Staples Center. That doesn't mean the most I've ever that anyone has done, but at Staples Center over the last 20 years, no one did anything more than that. That's like kind of like a general, like he was very generous and, and, and kind in that way. Uh, I think that there was a perception that Kobe was antisocial and distant and, and didn't get along with his peers. And uh, uh, I think when I got there, that was true to an extent, but, I think when you see at the end how many players were impacted and how many looked at him as a mentor and how many WNBA players looked at him uh, as a mentor and you see how many people connected with him, I think the narrative or the the sense of of who he was as we were living it maybe didn't match uh, the reality. But, you know, I was there. I, I had to ask him when he tore his Achilles. I had to ask him if we'd ever see him play again and, he did not like that question and that <laughs> sort of laid into me. That's a fair uh, question. That's went, a fair question. It was the question that, that had to be, to be asked. asked. And yeah. he, used it, he, he used it in uh, his film Muse, which was, I think, something for, was for Showtime. Uh, and he, I talked to him about it at some point. Yeah, I asked if he want to you know, uh, kick my, uh, my rear, so to speak. And, and he, you know, when I asked that question, he said, no, I mean, it was it, – I was doing what I had to do and, and he ended up, you know, he was happy that I, he could use that as kind of a chapter point in his, in his story. In his, yeah. in his, his, uh, so, yeah. but there are, there are more amusing anecdotes. Like uh, I, I saw him at my, uh, at a, at a, at his camp in Santa Barbara a long time ago. I have three daughters at the time I had two and we were trying for a third and he gave advice on how to have a boy which was uh, when my <laughs> wife and I uh, attempted to uh, create a child that I wear socks. Uh, and that <laughs> oh was, my God. That was, yes. That so is hilarious. I did not, yeah, I did not try that. Um, and I did end up with a third girl and <laughs> I doubt that he tried it because he had all girls and, or maybe he did try it and it's just uh, a bunch of, you know, it just didn't work. Wow. So we'll, we need someone to test that theory. It's not going to be me, but we need someone to test that theory. That's great. I, I don't even know how, how do you, I mean, you have to do some sort of scientific study over many, many years. Uh, like, boy, that would take a lot of work to like, scientifically prove whether there's some truth maybe it has to do with warmth of the feet i can't even but imagine think how about that the fortune that you'd be sitting on if you discovered that yeah, you do I the mean, science for could. that i've figured it out guys eric why don't you just go for number four and let us know if it works yeah i'm long, long retired long retired <laughs> that is, uh, 
not happening. <laughs> so Eric, um, from a media perspective, um, which I, I know how it feels to, to be in that boat, um, when you guys or the NBA resumes in Orlando, what, how do you go about covering that? Because I'm assuming media will not be available to at so shoot-arounds. I, I, it, it's still uh, in discussion how the media presence will factor in. And, and I don't know uh, what the answers are, but I do know that there is some discussion that there will be some media within the bubble of uh, Orlando that uh, would have to go through quarantine and follow all the rules and have tests. And they would be just like any other NBA personnel player, uh, referee, anyone who's in that bubble, they would be treated as such. And uh, that's obviously a, a sizable commitment of several months. And uh, I think it's going to be pretty expensive for the outlets. So it's not going to be for every outlet and they're going to limit the, the numbers. So uh, I, I've, talk to Bleacher Report. And there's no, like I said, there's nothing final. So I think that Bleacher Report will have a presence there. I don't know if it'll be, I, I can't imagine it would be more than one and who that will be, but that's uh, certainly like the big outlets. ESPN will have some, probably more than one and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but then I've, I've also heard that there will be some level of media out that, that's outside the bubble that will be allowed to watch the games from some level of distance where they're not uh, within range of the players, they won't be anywhere near the coaches. Players won't be at press conferences, but can actually sit and watch the games in person. Uh, and then there's, yeah, I don't know where I fit in that. Uh, those are all sort of in discussion. But uh, if if I am at home, you know, that's certainly reasonable. I mean, I, I have to see the games and the press conferences. I miss out on the opportunity to talk to players at shoot around practices, post game, you know, the coaches, all that and uh, miss the opportunity at games where a big part of it is just talking to scouts and executives and, and other media people and friends that I have that are just in the industry. So that's a big part of what I do. And, and it's, that's fine that we won't have that. It, you know, we just have to sort of live with what we don't have. Uh, you don't always get what you want at all times. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to do what I can. I've been surprisingly busy uh, throughout the shutdown. I, I, I've been really pleased with uh, the Bleach Report coverage and uh, how they've handled this and how they've kept me busy. Uh, we've really worked hard to continue to give out good content and produce good material, uh, despite the fact that there's not a lot to, to pull from, but we've, we've managed pretty well so far. So I personally think that the NBA has a really good opportunity to do some cool things. Um, you know, in, in this in this type of environment, it's obviously not going to be a, a huge arena with, you know, I think they have a really cool opportunity to do things with, with cameras and mics on the players and, and stuff like that to make it more uh, of, a, of an experience for the people viewing at home. Do you, one, do you agree? And two, do you know of any, anything like that happening? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I don't know the, the, the plan yet on that. I, I think that's, um, yeah, certainly it's in discussion, but, uh, I think that's probably like detail that, uh, comes after the bigger questions, like how do we actually get this to happen with quarantines and things like that. But, uh, the idea to me of like canned, uh, cheering and it's, it's not, not a good idea. Like I, I when my kids play NBA 2K, you hear some level of that and that's fine on, on the video game. It adds to that, but 
I would love to hear uh, like players calling out switches in the center, telling uh, you know, everybody you know on the floor or a good center anyway, uh, what, what the offense is running and, and uh, you know, calling for screens and on offense what they're saying and as much of what you could hear of the coaches, all of that. This is certainly an opportunity that we wouldn't normally have, and maybe. Uh, by doing so, we'll get a, an entirely different experience, and it'll help educate uh, fans who are are more casual as to what's actually happening in the game and how it works. And uh, I know there's a hunger for that um, among fans. They, even the most casual fans, want to understand what they're seeing, uh, but they don't. They didn't play basketball. They didn't. They didn't coach. They didn't have anything to do with basketball other than enjoying it. Uh, and have real, you know, no real sense of what's going on out there. Uh, and that's a pretty large part of the fan base and I'm not denigrating them at all. It's just, uh, I think they would love to see to a degree, uh, a little bit more than, than what they've gotten at yeah. this point. And, and maybe moving forward beyond this season, it, it'll have an impact and it'll change how games are presented moving forward. Maybe, uh, it'll be more of an educational league. We'll get more detail, and we'll hear more. Maybe it'll become more common to, to maybe, I don't know, Mike, the player, I, the players would have to agree to an extent uh, like the players union that they're willing to do that. There's some level of that already agreed to uh, for nationally televised games, but uh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it becomes more commonplace. Yeah. And just that, just as a fan, um, that's what excites me. Like the sports that I'm not as well versed in as baseball, like that's what excites me wanting to hear, what's going on, what's being talked about on the court or between the golfer and the caddy in between shots, you know, like those sort of conversations are what I feel like the common fan, the fan of the sport wants to hear. I, I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. I think it'd be something that they'd see um, really takes off and, and maybe they'd use it in the future. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Well, you know, I'll say to that, that they do Mike like coaches or players at some level, uh, and they show like little montages during like nationally televised games where they'll show like three or four little snippets. And 90% of the time it's like, you guys got a rebound or you guys yeah, got to play. Yeah, you, know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's really, it, to me, uh, it's more nonsensical. It's like rah, rah, rah from the coach. Uh, but never any, not never, but rarely any real strategy or yeah. understanding of, so I, I welcome it. I, I think it's, it may be inevitable unless they like decide that they don't want that. And they decide to just put in fake crowd noise, which you know, I don't know if you saw like the Saturday night live at home. They did like three or four episodes. And the very first one, they had their news desk and they had like some people just laughing and it was terrible. And <laughs> yeah, the, rest the rest of the way. Yeah. And then the rest of the episodes, they, they cut that and it was fine. It was jokes with no one laughing because that's just where we're at. But uh, it, like that artificial, it, it, it takes away, in my opinion. Let, let people have their natural reaction. Just present it as it is. There's no need for like a laugh track. It's like, come right. on. We, I mean, we all understand. Effect. We all understand what we're going through right now. Like we get it. Right. Exactly. exactly. All right. Well, Eric, um, obviously we really appreciate your time. We will let you get back to trying for a fourth child and let it be a boy. <laughs> um, but before we Better let you go. Wife. Yeah. <laughs> Um, before we let you go, where can people find, uh, your work? I know that you have a podcast, Hollywood hoops, and then you also obviously have lots and lots of articles with some great information, um, online too. 
Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at Eric Pincus, P-I-N-C-U-S. That's E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. Uh, I post most of my links there. Uh, Hollywood underscore hoops on Twitter is where you would find our podcast among other places. And then uh, my articles are on Bleacher Report. I also write for Basketball Insiders. And if it was actually things normal, every so often I do NBA TV, but it's been kind of dead on that front, unfortunately. Uh, but hopefully that will change. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Eric. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, that's it for Millennial Sports Talk. Make sure you download and subscribe on your usual podcast distributor. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.